from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. You are watching us live on Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT. And, of course, like I said, you're listening on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Here with you Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We appreciate you tuning in, appreciate you being here. Plenty of show coming up today. For those of you that know our docket when it comes to our Thursday shows, you know that we start off the show with Papa Joe inside of Papa Joe's Picks, and that is every single Thursday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Time, at least. Sometimes we go a little bit over, so Papa Joe will be with us today. You see in the Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory proudly brings you what's popping every single month. And Papa Joe's picks is first. We're going to speak on Jalen Ramsey. He has a lot of thoughts on it. I do as well. Papa Joe, obviously, watching those Jaguars very closely, as do I. And being down in the state of Florida, gets to see what's in the papers and what's going on and whatnot. So he'll give us some insight on the trade of Jalen Ramsey to the Rams for two first-round picks and a fourth-rounder. We'll also get into our picks of the week for college football week eight and of course we will speak on the Florida Gators they had their first loss the SEC the current unbeaten teams as well as the NFL so plenty of pigskin talk with Papa Joe this morning inside a wake-up call with Dan Tortora and in hour number two you'll hear from the coaches of the American Athletic Conference I had the opportunity this week to speak with a plethora of coaches from the American and you know that they are no strangers to the show so this this week in today's broadcast for week eight of college football you'll hear from Josh Heupel of UCF, Sonny Dykes of SMU, Randy Etzel of UConn, Mike Norvell of Memphis, Rod Carey of Temple. You'll also hear from Mike Houston of East Carolina, Philip Montgomery of Tulsa will all be on the show today so very excited to be sharing those with you on the broadcast this morning and, and very uh, very much appreciate everybody that's been tuning in and connecting with the show and having some fun with us and, and having a good time. Also, Navy's going to be on the show and you will hear from Tulane as well. So plenty of coaches coming up inside of the American Athletic Conference and that'll be in hour number two of the broadcast. So excited to share those with you and excited to have some fun here this morning. With that being said, let's bring him on to the broadcast straight from the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, which has the Tommy Bahama that he loves the most. It's PJ, Papa Joe, here with us this morning. Papa Joe, how are we doing? Good morning, Daniel. Just doing great this morning down here in paradise. I know. How's the weather down there right now? Oh, uh, it's 80 degrees and clear, bro. Nice. It's been uh, it's been raining here like a monsoon since yesterday, and they're repairing all the roads, so that's made it a lot of fun. And on top of all of that, it's raining today. But the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, is supposed to be free and clear, including for my birthday party. And my birthday was supposed to have rain. Now it's supposed to have sun. So as long as that stays the same, we're looking at almost 70 degrees on my birthday. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. Finally. Finally, finally. So a lot to talk about today, a lot to get into here with Papa Joe 
And I do want to get things started with with something that we've been talking about for a while, over a year, I'd say. And, and that is obviously uh, what's going on with Jalen Ramsey. I had made a statement before the season that they should trade him away, get rid of him. You and I talked about trading him away. And, and you know, even though he's talented, the fact that he's just been a nuisance to the team and a virus to the team, it was time to let him go. And I made the statement that they should get two first round picks for him because that's what he's worth. I had some people tell me I was crazy that it would never happen, that there's no way that that, that was going to go down, that you know all of the problems off the field and just the issue that he is is going to affect that. There's no way that the Jaguars are going to get it. And then the Jaguars got exactly that, two first-round picks, 2020 and 2021, which gives them two for 2020 and two for 2021 in the first round, including their own. And they have the fourth round in 2021. So they got what I wanted, and between you and I, they got what we wanted, which was moving forward from Jalen Ramsey. Thoughts on the trade? Uh, well, it's it's good. It's good things come to those who wait and those who are patient. Uh, I was really critical of Coughlin for several months now because he didn't pull the trigger on this kid. Yeah. So he had, I guess he he felt that uh, maybe the owner was putting some pressure on him, but the owner gave a a, a little speech here last night it's in the paper this morning it says i give kudos to our football staff for not only managing this matter extremely well but giving our team and fans a look a lot to look forward to in years to come credit also goes to our players for their professional approach throughout the situation it did not go unnoticed now it's time to turn the attention again to what's most important the jackville jaguars and maybe it took a while for for con to to come to that realization, but when you have a, a headstrong alpha male like Tom Coughlin in the in the front office, he's going to wear you down, and he he did wear he must have worn him down because <laughs> he got rid of a problem. So you know the kid that ultra talented, no doubt about that. You've never you've never heard me uh, say anything derogatory about his talent, but Jalen Ramsey, uh, you know he's a he's a spoiled brat is what he is. He, he was spoiled at Florida State. And the Jaguars, Jaguars drafted him here, and he spoiled him here. So, you know, he's someone else's problem now. So uh, maybe maybe when he plays for the Rams, he'll finally put his mouth guard in his teeth instead of having it dangle all the time. Boy, they used to, used to <laughs> piss, piss me off when he, that kid running around, playing, playing the corner with, with his, his tooth thing hanging out. I mean, he's just a, he, he's a, he's a problem that the Jaguars don't need and – now they don't have him, but what what bothers me is I know Herndon's a good ball player and he's probably going to be an adequate an adequate replacement. But you know, it's just it's the same thing with the Jags. They got to go through another rebuilding process. So, yeah. Foles being Foles being hurt and and Minshew, uh, you know, acting like a rookie last last weekend, which is okay. Uh, but you know, I, I I think we just have to be patient again this year. I think we'd we'll be very fortunate if we're uh, 500, and uh, then look forward again to next year with two, four first round trip, uh, four first round picks in two years, the next two years. So, you know, I don't know if Coughlin's going to hang around. I don't know if Marone will be there. Who knows? But the, again, I think the team is in limbo again. It's it's a shame, but I don't I don't see things getting any better over the course of the season. 
No, you know, and the thing is, and I do want to make a note of this, the fact that Jalen Ramsey never put his mouth guard in his mouth is because if you don't want to stop talking, you can't have something prevent it. So he kept it out of his mouth so that he could keep yapping. So, I mean, on the field, he obviously, you know, trash talked and it worked in the favor of the Jaguars sometimes and whatnot. But off the field, you know, for the past few seasons, I've said over and over and over again, how much of a problem he's been in the locker room, how much he's shown this. And and obviously when I saw him look like he was cleaning out his locker uh, a few weeks back, it, it must have been somewhat, might have some credence to that, some truth to that, because obviously he's, he's no longer there. And ever since that game, ever since that Thursday night game, when it looked like he was packing up his locker to some degree, he has not, you know, he hasn't been out there. He had his back hurt, and then he had a baby, and then he was sick, and then his back hurt again, and then he had to go see a doctor about his back. You know, th- this is just a situation, again, with, with a spoiled brat, like you said, a child, somebody who couldn't just, you know, be clear about things. You know, you don't you don't talk about faking injuries and this and that, and, you know, it, it to me, it's just kind of ridiculous, and I mean, obviously, if he has a back injury that's been nagging him for weeks and he had to go see a specialist about it, then why is he, in less than a week's time, going to try and be ready to play for the Rams? So you're going to take that flight, go over there, get ready, and play, but you've been injured for the last two weeks, but now all of a sudden you're miraculously healed now that you're traded. So we we know that there were issues, we know that there were problems, but Tom Coughlin is somebody that Shad Khan said last season when they decided to keep Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell and all that, Shad Khan said that Tom Coughlin, he he really does respect his opinion. I'm paraphrasing, but he put out a big thing about it, about his respect for Tom's opinion, his appreciation for Tom, that he doesn't, you know, that if he makes a decision, he always asks Tom his thoughts. So, you know, the fact that, that Shad Khan owns this team, but he has Tom Coughlin as the executive VP, and he brings him in and has been clear and public about the fact that he doesn't really make a decision without running it by Tom first, says a lot about you know his respect for him and it says a lot about the power that Tom Coughlin has right now and you know obviously that power has to be utilized to get control of the team back and that hasn't happened so the one question that I've been getting Papa Joe and another another prediction that I had made was that Tom Coughlin would eventually come downstairs you know that he would eventually leave the front office and come downstairs and people have been asking me, when is this going to happen? Because Marone has no control of the team. Is there any chance in your mind, any hope in your mind, any thought, any written stuff that, you know, Tom Coughlin could come down with all the respect from Shad Khan, with appreciation from Shad Khan? You know, is is it now time for Coughlin to, to, to come downstairs, even just to finish off this season and try and get some control back? Oh, I don't know about that. Um this is a difficult situation again, as I stated earlier. The, the, the team, uh, the, the team is just snake bit. I mean, Cole's getting hurt, threw everything out of whack. Fortunately, Minshew came in and has been tossing it, tossing it around pretty good. It, it's a difficult situation. I don't know if, if Coughlin wants to do that. Uh, I've gotten a little bit more respect for Marone over the last year or so than I had before when he was first hired. I didn't think it was the best of hires, but. Coughlin wants to bring his guys, and he was one of his guys. Now, Coughlin, you know, has got the respect of everyone uh, and all through, throughout football, college and pros. Yeah. So, you know, what he what he says usually goes. And uh, uh, as I stated earlier, he, he must have worn down Khan because he knew 
that he had to get rid of Ramsey. So he just had to make Khan aware of that. So for him coming down, I don't know. Uh, I, I want to see how they respond the next couple of weeks and, and see what happens. If they're two and four right now, and I don't, you know, going forward, uh, as I said, maybe a, a, a break-even record eight and eight would be really good. I don't know if they can attain that, but it all depends on how how uh, Vinci bounces back this week. Uh, he went. He, uh, New Orleans threw some stuff at him that he wasn't aware of. They went, uh, they went man to man, and he couldn't go through his progressions quick enough, being a rookie and all. So, you know, maybe that's something the other teams that are playing with the Jaguars will uh, will understand and use against them. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is is you know he is a rookie. You know he he is obviously going to make mistakes. He's going to have times where you know where things don't work out. I think the fact that he's come in. You know, so early on and had so much, you know, he's come in as a rookie and he's had an immediate impact and he's had to play since week one. You know, I think that, you know, there's a lot of expectation that's come from the fact that he's winning and or, or that at least he's competing, that he brought them to the final play against Houston in a comeback and they missed a two point conversion and or else, you know, they could have at least tied the game with an extra point gone in overtime. Then he had a comeback victory against Denver. Then he had a, another opportunity, you know, on the road in, in a really close call to have another victory toward the end of the game. So, I mean, this is a guy that, that arguably could have had the team at four and two right now instead of two and four. But we, we are where we are. He's going to have rookie mistakes. He's going to have issues. What can you say about his receiving core and you know and their abilities out there? Because you know obviously they're young. These are guys that you know. D.D. Westbrook not a household name. You know Marquise Lee has dropped off from becoming a household name. And D.J. Chark is still not a household name. They're tight ends. You know they're injured and this that and whatever. They got Ben Koyak back. But O'Shaughnessy and Koyak and whatnot, they're not household names. So really, you know, people know Leonard Fournette in the backfield, and that's it. So, you know, does he have enough weapons out there? Does he have enough to give? I mean, how do you how do you see the skill players on the team? Well, I like Chark. You know, Chark has come a long way, and he's proved himself. Uh, I've always liked Westbrook. He, he just stretched the field. And I don't know what happened to Marquise Lee. I, he got injured, but I, I don't know what the result of that is. Uh, he was limping off the field and going into the clubhouse. So the tight end, Shaughnessy, got hurt, so he's done. So, uh, you know, he's going to have to look for someone that he can count on on third and five or third and eight, and it looks like it's going to be Jark. So we'll see where it goes. Speaking here with Papa Joe inside of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every Thursday in hour number one. Papa Joe's Picks is what we're doing inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios right here on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. We will be on-site, on location, on the showroom floor of Charney's tomorrow doing the live broadcast with the annoying moment of the week, significant sound bites, one-on-one conversations with Syracuse players, and you'll hear from tight end Aaron Hackett as well as wide receiver and returner Sean Riley, and we'll get into so much more on-site, on-location, including telling you a little bit about the game in Syracuse and the state of the football team and whatnot all getting you ready for our pregame show, which will be on-site, on-location at the Wildcat Sports Pub at 5 p.m. tomorrow night for Friday, October 18th. The game is at 7 p.m. against Rival Pitt. Rob Drummond and I are at the Wildcat at 5 p.m. So in the community tomorrow, you have two opportunities to come out and see Wake Up Call on-site, on-location, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. at Charney's, 
And then from there, you'll see us at 5 p.m. at the Wildcat Sports Pub. So two opportunities to come out and see us. One, to come out and see us and get and get yourself, you know, something nice for your wardrobe at Charney's. And then the second opportunity, come out and see us and get something to eat, something to drink at the Wildcat. So two opportunities to be in the community. Tomorrow is a jam-packed wake-up call day, and we can't wait to see you out there. Very excited about it. So before we get into college football, PJ, just to wrap things up here, Jalen Ramsey, I mean, obviously his first season with the team, the team was was atrocious. His second season with the team, they knocked on the door of the Super Bowl. And then last season when the team, the wheels fell off and he seemed to, you know, continue to be a problem. In the tenure of Ramsey with a little over three years on the team, what can you say about, you know, maybe how he goes down in history as a Jaguar to have, uh, you know, a see? I mean, he played every game up until this season. He had played 16 regular season games all the way through, played their playoff games a couple of years ago. You know, to have a, a losing record, a winning record, and a shot at the Super Bowl, a losing record, and now another losing record, but his stats were good throughout his time. Where does he end up in, in Jaguars history? Oh, I'm sure he's going to be one of the better players uh, for the team. Uh, he's a shutdown corner. I mean, there's no there's no question about his, uh, his des- well, maybe his desire, certainly. If he didn't want to play for the Jaguars, but his talent is, is, is there for everyone to see. Um I, I don't know. Uh, it, you know, I go back to the days of Mark Brunel and Tony Baselli and all those guys who are really true heroes for the Jacksonville uh, franchise. I, I don't know if Ramsey's going to be put in the same class with those guys. Those guys were classy. Uh, he he is not. <laughs> he's a problem child, and uh, he's going to say he's going to bring his junk to the. Uh, to the Rams to just let them deal with it, but I, I don't. I don't look for him to be honored at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just my opinion. I, I could be wrong, but uh, you know, what do you think? You know, I, honestly, I, I think you know if he had spent more time here and and left things maybe the right way, if he had spent like maybe five seasons or something like that. You know, and, and they had had more success. I think there's an opportunity. I think, in all honesty, instead of being in the ring of honor in Jacksonville, he's going to go down as one of those, you know, coulda, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda type of players where, you know, he had a ton of talent, he had a lot to offer, but he didn't want to be in Jacksonville. He didn't want to play there. And obviously, you know, things weren't going his way, and he moped and he acted like a child. And as much as he played his heart out, at times, and as much as he gave his all, and even when he was upset, he went into that Titans Thursday night game, and 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 really, honestly, you know, gave a lot of effort, and I was surprised in a positive way, and really appreciated it, pleasantly surprised. But ultimately, I think that you know he doesn't end up in the Jaguars Ring of Honor because there is no honor in the way that he treated his his team, and you can't look at Fred Taylor, Tony Baselli, Mark Brunel, Keenan McCardell, Jimmy Smith, Donovan Darius. Aaron Beasley, guys like that, you can't look at them and say that he is anything like them and holds a candle. And if you can't put him in that line, I mean, that to me is your ring of honor. So if 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 he doesn't fit that ring, if he doesn't fit the Fred Taylors and the Tony Baselli's and and you know and company and, and so on and so forth and the Mark Brunells, if he can't fit that ring, well that is the ring of honor. So I guess if the ring don't fit, you can't marry the girl, I guess, is how no, it goes. No, no, can't wear the ring. So with that being said, we'll we'll jump off of Ramsey. He is the Rams problem now. Let's get into college football here with Papa Joe, and we'll uh, take a fast break here in just a second. But I do want to jump into college football and stay 
in the state of Florida. Your Gators, I, I stayed up, I watched this game, watched the game with, with, uh, with my mom, had some fun with mom here. So I actually had a lazy Saturday where I could sit around and watch football all day. And I did exactly that. I watched Memphis and Temple. Uh, you know, obviously Oklahoma and Texas had some had some things going on. So I paid attention to a bunch of different games and, and, and definitely watched the LSU Florida game. And this was a back and forth. And I remember sitting with my mom and I said, Ma, you know what this is? And she said, what? I said, this is real football. Where they're scoring points in the first quarter, where they're getting you know toe to toe, you score, I score, you score, I score, you know, and and you know, in an SEC game, in games like this, in games like the L the LSU Florida game, if they score, you score, and you keep tying them. If they score and you have that one possession where you don't, you might never get the game back in your hands again because they're going to go up by two scores and then they're going to keep it going. That's how these teams go. They play chess back and forth, you know, or even checkers. They take one, you take one. They take one, you take one. Then if they take two, if they double jump, you better double jump back or the game's going to be over before you know it. Just what you can say about the LSU Florida game and, and you know, if these games truly are like that, in your opinion, where, you know, they're so close that if you literally don't score on one possession, that one punting the ball away might change the game for the rest of the game for you. Well, that's what happened, too. Florida didn't keep up there in the second half. Um, yeah. I, I Frankly, I was a little surprised that the scoring was going like it was. I didn't expect uh, uh, LSU to bend and not break as much. Uh, I, I didn't know if Florida could keep up with, with LSU. I didn't know much about LSU's defense, but uh, Florida had, uh, still has a very, very good defense, and uh, Burrow just picked us, picked us apart. So it, it was tough to watch, but I realized that you know Dan Mullen has taken this team in a year and a half to to great heights, and it's not going to stop there. But Florida's got an extremely difficult schedule left. Yeah, uh, I mean it's not not going to be easy. They go at South Carolina. They got to play Georgia. They got to go up to Missouri, who's whooped them in the last two years. So. You know, I, I, you know, for them to, to wind up being ten and three like they were last year, it may be stretching it. So, you know, Florida's number nine right now, but they may they may beat South Carolina. They gotta they gotta they gotta really get over the loss real quick and get together because uh, South Carolina looked awesome. I don't watch the Georgia game. They just they yeah. just took it to Washington, took it to Georgia. So I'm looking for I'm looking for did it be a good bounce back game for Florida? So we'll see. Yeah, you know, the Florida Gators uh, obviously going up against South Carolina uh, on October 19th this Saturday at noon Eastern time on ESPN. Got to ask you this, Papa Joe, about that game. The former head coach of the Gators, Will Muschamp, is now the head coach of South Carolina. Winning that game over Georgia in double overtime, does that save Will Muschamp's job in South Carolina? Probably pretty close, but a, a a better uh, a better way would be to be Clemson at the end of the year. I don't know if he can do that, but uh, I, I don't know if Will's going to hang around. Will has always sort of been a 500 coach, but he's a wonderful guy, and he's he brings great enthusiasm to the game. He recruits well. He's very well respected. He just doesn't win enough. Uh, you know, they lost their freshman quarterback to Helsinki, who was really pitching the ball around. So I, I don't. Uh, I think if Florida wins big this this weekend. And South Carolina ends up on a on a sour note at the end of the year. He probably won't be around. But they, uh, you know, they can they can play. I mean, you don't go to you don't don't go at Georgia between the hedges 
and beat a team like Georgia without having some talent. So he knows what he's doing. He's just got to, got to find a way to get to Florida now. Absolutely. And, and, and we know that we know that uh, he's obviously run the gamut here. And, you know, or we, I should say Florida, not Will, not Will Muschamp. We know that Florida has, has had to go through a very difficult schedule. We said a couple weeks ago that, you know, they arguably had the toughest schedule of the SEC this season as far as the run of games. Now, they've already played Auburn. They won that game. They've gone to LSU. They hung with them for a little bit, but they lost that one. The rest of that of this four-game series was at South Carolina and, and then Georgia. We know that when we went into this, we thought South Carolina was, you know, not going to do what they did against Georgia. So we know that they're dangerous and they're riding a high right now, and they're going to be at home for this game against the Gators. How, you know, how do you think Florida has fared in this? And just what you can say about, you know, how a couple weeks ago we were talking about how difficult their schedule was, arguably the most difficult of the SEC with. Auburn at LSU at South Carolina and then Georgia at home. They they got two down. They're one and one. They got two more to go. So what can you say about how they've performed and and where where the rest of uh, of this you know difficult schedule is going to be for the Florida Gators as they get set to take on South Carolina and Georgia. You know your listeners probably get tired of me telling them that the SEC is the best conference in football and why it's so good to watch these teams play every week because every week changes the dynamics of the conference. I mean, uh, now Florida beat Auburn. Auburn's a one-loss team. LSU won. Florida's now a one-loss team. And as I stated at the beginning of the year, two of these teams are going to wind up in the top four, and one of them is going to be with a one-loss. So it's going to be difficult to – you, you can't go through the league unscathed. I mean, you just it, it's very difficult, especially for a guy like Mullen, who really, really gets into his kids. I mean, he's very persuasive. He's got a good hands-on approach, and there's only so much you can tell these kids to say, listen, we got another big game, we got another big game, we got another big game, and eventually, you know, they run out of gas, and uh, I, I don't know uh, I don't know what, what else to say uh, about that, but so Bill, Bill Muschamp can coach, period. And uh, he's got a very formidable team. And this is a big hiccup for Florida right now, extremely big hiccup. One thing, though, I'm very impressed with is the way Trask has is, is, uh, handled himself. He's done a great job. Uh, frankly, I don't think we've dropped a beat from Felipe Franks. So, you know, him coming in doing a job, it's wonderful. It's great. It's got Florida. Uh, you know, for Florida losing that one game and dropping only to number nine, the, the voters are telling the public, well, you know, Florida's a damn good team, and we only dropped them a couple spots, even they, even though they've lost the game. So, you know, like, Georgia almost went out of the top ten. So uh, it, there, there's a lot to be said about the scheduling. Uh, perhaps maybe more cupcakes should come into the play here, but that's not the way I want to see it. I mean, if you're going to win the SEC East, you've got to play the teams that, that you need to to play and beat. Now, if you've got to play a couple teams from the West Conference, being LSU and Auburn and Alabama, then it really gets more difficult. So, But you can only worry about the East Conference right now. If Florida beats Georgia, they'll, if they beat Alabama, and I mean uh, South Carolina, and they beat Georgia, yeah. they'll, 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 they'll be ahead in the conference and, and have a chance to play either L, uh, LSU or Alabama for the SEC championship. And I think maybe that's maybe where we're headed. 
Yeah, you know, and, and this is a situation where, I mean, do you believe that Florida still has, I mean, they're 6-1, and one. do they still have a shot if they go undefeated through here, you know, and, and now that Georgia has, has dipped below them and, and Missouri is up there now, I mean, do, in your opinion, does Florida still have a shot at the college football playoff as we know that they still have an opportunity to go to the SEC championship game? No, I think we're reaching on that one, Daniel. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, if they do beat if they do beat Georgia, uh, they'll both have one loss in the East Division, and probably Florida will win the division and have to play Alabama or LSU. I think both Alabama and LSU are probably going to make the, the top four. Uh, you, then you got the other teams like Clemson and Ohio State, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Penn State for a little bit. You know. It, it's more things are going to shake down as the season goes out and probably the game of the year is going to be LSU and Alabama. And that's when you're really going to see what's happening. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and the thing that's crazy about this is that LSU and Alabama are in the same division playing as well as they are right now. So not only two teams from the SEC, but two teams from the SEC West could make the college football playoff. Two teams from the same division inside of one of the conferences. No one is undefeated on the east side of the SEC anymore. Georgia 5-1, and one, Florida 6-1. and one. On the other side of it, Alabama 6-0, and oh, LSU 6-0, and oh, Auburn 5-1. and one. So there were five unbeaten teams in the SEC, and within the last two weeks, there is now two remaining in the same division, Alabama and LSU, like you said, setting up for a great game coming up this season. Does Georgia still have a shot, in your opinion? I mean, is it really Alabama and LSU? Let's say Alabama and LSU, you know, go all the way to the end undefeated, and then one of them takes a loss because the other one beats them. You know, if, if we're looking at a one-loss this, and they don't lose any other games, and the other one stays undefeated, is it Alabama and LSU's spots to give up so to speak right now are they in the college football playoff is it their spots to give up or could Georgia you know could they get in there I mean I know you said Florida will be tough but is it really Alabama and LSU right now those are the those are the teams that are going to make it outside anything crazy happening I mean does Florida have a shot does Georgia have a shot can anybody in the east make this work uh yeah I I think so um Georgia, if they put up a good effort from here on out and, and beat Florida, beat Florida handily, uh, then you know then then they'll play the winner of of the West, whoever that is. So it's it's possible that Georgia could make it, make the playoff with one loss. Um, it would probably be more fair if they did it that way because then the the voters wouldn't have a a chance to try to pick between Alabama and LSU. So yeah, Georgia definitely has a chance and. Uh, George has manhandled Florida for a couple of years now at the world's largest cocktail party in Jacksonville. So it's uh, it'll that's be a hell of a game to watch too. It's, there's so many good football games coming up, and we've already seen a bunch a bunch of good ones. And yeah, as, as I've stated earlier, a lot of them are in the SEC, and they play, they keep playing each other and beating each other. And so you'll see. Look at the look at the Georgia Notre Dame game. Boy, I didn't think Georgia could lose another game for the rest of the year after they handled Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's out of it. So, yeah, yep, got got that's more good games going forward. Absolutely, that coming from Papa Joe inside of Papa Joe's picks here this Thursday, October seventeenth, and every Thursday from nine a.m. to ten a.m. Eastern time here on wakeupcalldt.com as well as mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt, both of which you're tuning in on and listening. And then you're watching and listening here on Facebook Live, facebook.com backslash live now DT, inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, appreciating them and everything they do for us men to dress us from head to toe. 
Charney's. Find what fits you. It doesn't matter what's your style, what's your size. It is, and it doesn't matter your age either. They got the little man tuxes. They got you set and ready to go. You got a first communion coming up all the way to getting married and this, that, and the other. Charney sets you up and they set you up right. Whether it's suspenders or a handkerchief or socks or belts or undergarments or, you know, dress down shirt, dress down shirts, dress up shirts, suits, tuxedos, sport coats, everything. Tommy Bahama, Bamboo K, Space Jam, Looney Tunes, graphic tees, Syracuse wear, it's all at Charney's. You can literally, you know, if you're like me, and I and I think like Papa Joe here too, if you're like us, and you can walk into one store, get everything you need, you can get your you can get your suit, you can get your Tommy Bahama, you can get your relax fit stuff, some golf wear, get a belt, get some shoes and go home in one place. That's how you do it. And Charney's allows that to happen every single day by all the work that they do to work with the best companies out there that have tremendous products that make sure that time and time again, you feel good, you look good, and you always come back. Charney's, over 60 years of serving our community, a local company with an amazing tie to Central and Upstate New York. Go and see them at 3150 Erie Boulevard East in downtown, in Syracuse. I always want to say downtown because it's right by it. Charney's Menswear and Tuxedos in Syracuse, New York. 3150 Erie Boulevard East. Go out and see them. Let them know that Wake Up Call sent you and much appreciation to them. So want to thank really quick all of our Central New York partners, Carvel DeWitt, Home Team Pub, Canine Camp Dog Daycare and Canine Campground Dog Boarding, Trapper's Pizza Pub, our newest partner, as well as Honda City of Liverpool, Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory, the Wildcat Sports Pub, Utica Pizza Company, and Press Room Pub where we have trivia every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m., amazing trivia this week and then Dominic's also amazing tremendous time had a ton of fun last night Dominic's every Wednesday at seven o'clock 1370 Burnett Ave in Syracuse New York and of course what fuels the show is our beautiful wonderful body armor drinks that you can get at all of your local stores go and get your body armor your favorite flavor today it's a healthy drink that actually is healthy you know and they tell you it's healthy and it's not it's a healthy drink with a great flavor. They have so many different flavors. They keep on adding them. Body Armor is the way to go. It refuels you, gives you some electrolytes, gives you what you need, helps you out, and it also tastes great going down. So thank you to Body Armor for helping to fuel Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. With that being said, PJ's on the line with us. We're having that conversation about college football week eight and the NFL week seven. Papa Joe, I said before the break that we were going to discuss if the college football playoff happened today, who would be in it? In your opinion, if the college football playoff was going to happen this weekend, what four teams would you put in? Well, um, I'd have to go with LSU, Wisconsin, Alabama, and Clemson. Uh, Clemson, you know, they may look like they're down a little bit, but as we talked about the Florida State game, they just... They buried Florida State. I think Florida State had 100 yards after three quarters. And then they put in their 20th string, and then they finally scored off them. So, yeah. uh, you know, Bama and LSU are going to be there. I really like Wisconsin over uh, Ohio State. Uh, my bros up in Milwaukee have been pumping me uh, all year long about uh, the Wisconsin Badgers. So, and boy, they looked they looked apart. They got four shutouts. Uh, you know, and I think – and I think defensively wise, dude, they can handle uh, Ohio State easily. Ohio State's got another quarterback that transferred in, and 
you know, I, I'd never liked Ohio State anywhere because of Urban Meyer, but yeah. that's no way, that's that's no reason not to like them this year. Uh, I just don't think they match up well with Wisconsin. And that game is going to be coming up in a couple of weeks, too. That'll be a heck of a game. And frankly, the winner of that game will probably be in the in the, the playoff. So I got LSU and Alabama. Now, LSU could lose out to Georgia, or maybe both of those could lose out to Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma just doesn't have any defense. My goodness. I mean, if Joe Burrow were to play them, he'd probably score 100 points. So, I don't know. That that's Those are my four right there, LSU, Wisconsin, Alabama, and Clemson. All right, so those are Papa Joe's top four. Papa Joe, once again, his top four. If the college football playoff were to happen today, he has LSU, Wisconsin, Alabama, and Clemson into the college football playoff. Now, for me, uh, on my side of things, you know, I'm going to change it up a little bit. I think the easy ones for me are LSU and Alabama. I really honestly, at this point, I want to see them in the college football playoff. Ed Ogeron, who has some ties back to Central New York and Syracuse's football team, would be great to see Coach O there. We know Syracuse is not going anywhere near the college football playoff. So, you know, the fans could at least become LSU fans for the day. You know, just put an L in front of SU, and there you go. So, I mean, you got you got SU in the title. You got Ed Ogeron there. So why not connect yourself to that and cheer them on? LSU and Alabama, if it happened today, college football playoff, I'd put them in. Oklahoma does, you know, obviously struggle defensively to get things done. You know, Ohio State played their first-ranked team of the season, Michigan State, defeated them 34-10. to and Michigan State are barely in the top 25. I like Ohio State. I, I, I like what they're doing right now. As of right now, I would put them in over Wisconsin. I don't think the committee appreciates and respects Wisconsin. That has a play in my head because I want to be realistic. It's kind of like when I know that Jim Beheim should play man-to-man, but I know he's not going to, so I don't even address the conversation because I know it's not going to happen. That's how I kind of. That's how I feel about Wisconsin. I honestly think Wisconsin could play perfect football and the committee could still leave them out because for whatever reason, when they've had an argument to get in, the committee has not put them in to the college football playoff. So I would put Ohio State in there. They've already let them in before. And if you've been in the college football playoff, there's a better opportunity you're going to get back because instead of looking at it season by season like the committee should, they look at it by historical programs like Notre Dame and they look at it by, well, who have we let in recently? Now, Clemson, I don't think, has been playing that great. Florida State's an atrocious team. They barely beat North Carolina, not because North Carolina's not good. They barely beat North Carolina because North Carolina went for two at the end of the game and they missed it. This game could have went to overtime and North Carolina could have won it. Now, they defeated Charlotte, which they should. Syracuse beat the hell out of themselves, so I can't even give Clemson 100% that win. They beat Texas A&M in a game that I was surprised that Jimbo Fisher just didn't come ready. And Georgia Tech, who's gotten better the first week that they played Georgia Tech with new head coach Jeff Collins, who came from Temple, who I know pretty well. You know, they obviously struggled there in that opening game Georgia Tech did, so Clemson got to hit them at a time where they're, they had a new head coach in game number one, which is a tough one to win. So, you know, Clemson hasn't wowed me by any stretch of the imagination, but it's hard to think that Dabo Sweeney isn't going to be in this thing. So I'm going to say that, you know, we're, I'm going to say at this point, at this point, I'm going to put LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson in if the college football playoff was to happen today. Now, Clemson, I want them to know, as much as I respect and appreciate 
everything that Dabo Sweeney does. I love speaking with him. I love spending time with him. You know, when we have these opportunities to to talk with them in open forums, it means the world to me. I, I hope that, you know, God will give me the opportunity to sit down with him one day and we can have kind of an uninterrupted conversation. And I believe that that will happen. So I look forward to that day. But Clemson right now has to show me something. And they have at Louisville, which I think is going to be a tougher game than people give them credit for because Louisville's really picked it up with Scott Satterfield as the head coach in his first season coming from Appalachian State. And shout out to Appalachian State losing their head coach and being undefeated, kind of doing something that, you know, UCF had done when they lost Frost and went to Heupel. So, you know, I think that Satterfield's doing a great job at Louisville. I think this is going to be a, a tough game for Clemson to win and at least through part of it. And then they have BC, they have Wofford at NC State, Wake, and at South Carolina. You know, their biggest test might be the last two weeks of the season at home against Wake and at South Carolina. So I don't know how much Clemson's going to be tested in this, and the ACC in and of itself is down. So, you know, it's one of those situations where you want to put Dabo in, but, you know, like I said, you can't put him in because he's been in the last few years. They have to wow you. And a big wow would be this weekend with Louisville in second place of the Atlantic Division behind Clemson. They're 2-1 and one in the conference, 4-2 and two overall. If Clemson can get this win and get it handily, you know, and go to 7-0 and oh and drop Louisville to 2-2 two and two in the conference, 4-3 and three overall, if they can make a statement and not just beat Louisville by three or by one or by two, if Clemson goes to Louisville, defeats them in Kentucky by two, three touchdowns, now I'm starting to feel good about Clemson again. But if they don't, then I think, you know, this is still a question mark team for me that the committee has to consider not putting in. But for right now, PJ, I'm going to put Clemson in. Okay. Well, your thought process is good. Um, Louisville is a tough team to figure right now. They lost to Florida State, which I couldn't understand. And then, you know, Clemson just kills Florida State last week. So I think if Clemson shows up uh, and plays tough defense, they win the game easily. Uh, I, I just Lawrence is gonna he's gonna he's gonna come around. Maybe he's in a sophomore slump or whatever you want to call it. But he's yeah. uh, you know other teams are gearing for Dabo Sweeney now. I mean. Uh, I think personally, after what he's accomplished in the last three years, he should be part of the uh, the conversation, whether he's really good or not. He's going to be undefeated by the end of the year, and uh, he deserves to be in there. So, you know, uh, we'll see where it goes. But if Trevor Lawrence can start airing out the way I know he can, and uh, Clemson plays tough D, and they beat Louisville by two or three touchdowns, like you stated, then uh, I think it's a no-brainer. But it's... There's a lot of trip-up games in this, in college football this year, and uh, Clemson's going to have a couple of them with Wake Forest and South Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another undefeated team in the top ten in the Big Ten that's that's not going to get in is Penn State. You know, Penn State went to Iowa. It was their first-ranked team that they played against, and they went on the road at Iowa. They won the game 17-12. to That is not how you get in the college football playoff. So, you know, that's not going to happen. Notre Dame is out of it. And I still think the Gators have a fighting chance, but LSU and Alabama, those are the two that are in there. I mean, Papa Joe, arguably this season, we could have an all-SEC college football playoff, and I don't think anybody would balk at it because the reality is Alabama, LSU, Florida, and Georgia would be one hell of a a couple series of games to watch. Yeah, it would be. Of course, that's not going to happen, but 
you know, the rest of the country just probably gets tired of hearing about the SEC. They do this, they do that. They get the best teams, the best coaches. They recruit the best. Da 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 da. Yeah. Uh, to some extent, that's true, but I don't take I, I don't take the rest of these t- teams lightly. Uh, I know that uh, Ohio State is playing very good, and Wisconsin is tough. Penn State is tough. Minnesota, you know, what can you say about those guys? And how can how can you look at Minnesota being unbeaten at six and zero? Yeah. I mean, I, I never never thought Minnesota could even be in the same breath with with the other teams we just uh, announced about. Appalachian State, look at that team! My goodness, you know, teams like that are just not going to be into play anymore. Just like UCF last year, but this will be difficult in the next two or three weeks. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, and so look at those undefeated teams like Papa Joe just mentioned. Here inside of Papa Joe's Picks on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, you're watching us on Facebook.com backslash Live Now DT. You're listening on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. MixLR stands for Mix Live Radio. You can also search Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on the MixLR app or listen on the homepage of WakeUpCallDT.com where the feed is embedded as well. Undefeated teams that still exist, SMU in the American is 6-0. and in the ACC, we mentioned Clemson is 6-0, and representing them. In the Big 12, Baylor and Oklahoma are 6-0. and In the Big 10, we have Ohio State and Penn State at 6-0. and In the East, in the West, Wisconsin and Minnesota are 6-0. and Outside of that, the Conference USA has none. The Independents have none. The Mid-American has none that are, that are undefeated. Mountain West still has Boise State. At six and zero, the Pac-12 has none. Their best team is five and one, the Oregon Ducks, and they also have five and one Arizona State and five and one Utah. And then the SEC has Alabama and LSU, like we mentioned, from the same division. And the Sun Belt Conference has Appalachian State at five and zero. Papa Joe, the team or the the uh, conference that has the most undefeated teams right now is a conference that's been underrated and underappreciated by the college football playoff. The Big Ten has four undefeated schools, four undefeated schools, and two in one division, two in the other. Just what you can say about the Big Ten this year, because right now, with the SEC eating each other, the Big Ten is the only conference with four representatives that are undefeated in college football. Uh, that's, uh, that's a good point. Uh, I, I don't. They won't be undefeated for long, that's for sure, because I'm sure the Penn State and, and uh, Minnesota are going to lose. Uh, I, I, I still like the strength of schedule and the, the way that Wisconsin is playing. Uh, perhaps maybe the committees don't look at the, the other conferences as much as they should, and I really think they should be a little bit more balanced. Uh, but if two, two SET teams get in again this year, uh, the, the pundits are going to be crying all over the place. So they're really going to have to be real careful about, about that. Besides, if you're a one-loss team, you're going to go to a bowl game, a good bowl game, play a good team, make a lot of money, and uh, the kids will be happy. So, you know, what's a big deal? It's just not going to be those teams are not going to be part of the equation. There's a good there's a good chance that a one-loss team in the Big Ten, either Ohio State or Wisconsin, could make, could make the playoff also. Georgia may wind up with two losses. Florida may wind up with three losses. You know, LSU and, and, and uh, Alabama are just going to have well, either one's undefeated or one's going to have one loss. So there's a whole lot of scenarios going on here. There's a lot of other teams to consider. It's just the, the ones you mentioned, even the ones in uh, like Baylor, uh, you know, they're not going to hang in there. And that's the thing, you know, we, we look at this and, and, and where things are at right now. Like you said, 
you know, a lot of these teams are, are not going to make it anywhere. But what does it say about the Big Ten where where they're where they're sitting at right now? I mean, is this conference for real? I mean, this is a conference that barely gets one team into the college football playoff. Is it time for the college football playoff to start paying attention to that punch down drag out conference with now halfway through the season having four teams that are undefeated? No, I don't think so. It's it, it's still going to come down to Wisconsin and, and Ohio State, so let them battle it out and see what happens. So I'm sure the, the committee will make the, the best possible. Uh, but you know, you got to look at you got to look at strength of schedule. I mean, just because there's four unbeaten teams doesn't mean that they they play like like four unbeaten teams. Ohio State and Wisconsin look like they belong. The other two don't. And how about this for college football in Division One A FBS? There are 29 teams. 29 teams that are either undefeated or have one loss. If you take the one-loss teams and the undefeated teams and put them together, there are currently heading into week eight of college football, 29 schools with one loss or less. That tells me that there are a lot of teams are playing a lot of cupcakes. And my Gators are included in that too. So, you know, you, you beef up your schedule as best you can. And I go back to what I said a couple of weeks ago when uh, Nick Sable was describing to the pundits when he was having a press conference and he, he says, he says, listen, our schedule is open for as many teams that, that we want to play. No one will play us. Yeah. So what am I supposed to do? So I'm, I, I, I get a two A school, look him in there, give them a million dollars to get their behind beat and go on. I mean, if, if, if Nick says, if no one wants to play us, what do you want me to do? Yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, what are they supposed to do? Some of these teams are playing, tough schedules some of these teams are, are you know are, are playing a tough non-conference and then some of them aren't but 29 schools as we head into week eight have one loss or less and shout out to the american who has tried to play more of a tougher non-conference schedule memphis five and one navy four and one Tulane five and one smu six and oh that's all in the west division and then in the east cincinnati five and one temple five and one how about this papa joe ucf is not at the top of the heap right now in the american they've been the bell cow they've been the torchbearer they're four and two trying to get right they got east carolina at home and mike houston's three and three in his first season with east carolina trying to change that program for the better what do you think about ucf down in the state of florida at four and two which is very uncharacteristic it's so funny how Nobody wants to give them respect, but when they have two losses, everybody's like, oh, oh, well, they're not a good team this year. I mean, this is a team, it's either one or the other. If you respect them, you respect them. If you don't, you don't. But if you want to talk about the fact that them being 25-0 and means nothing, but then they lose two games and you're like, look, they're not undefeated, they're horrible. I mean, people treat them so unfairly, but UCF is a good team. They're 4-2 and right now. What do you think about UCF? UCF is still good. I mean, they're going to play East Carolina, which is only 3-3 this year. But, you know, that's a, that's another possible trip-up game, too. They're going to have to pay attention and play good defense, strong offense. So, uh, I like, I've like i always liked UCF. I just don't think that they're one of the better uh, higher echelon teams, even when Frost was there and Heupel now. Uh, Frost has got a reality check now over at, L- at Nebraska. So, you know, UCF still commands the attention of, of of other schools and uh, UCF of course is a is a team that uh, the bigger schools don't want to play either and that's been proven over the last couple of years and where they've had to go to a bowl game and beat a a, a powerful team and which they did and they are <laughs> still <laughs> yeah you know this is this is a tough team to play they are no slouch it's just interesting how Cincinnati is boosting themselves and 
Temple is. How about this, Papa Joe? To get to 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 speak on this really quick. Temple had Jeff Collins for the last two years. Now they have Rod Carey. Before that, they had Matt Rule. Within that time of having a coach for two years and a coach for a couple years, coach for a few seasons, coach for a few, coach for a few. Temple every few years is switching their head coach. Yet they're hanging with Notre Dame. They're defeating Penn State. They defeated two top 25 teams already this season. They play spoiler all the time, including at home. And a few seasons ago when they played in the American Athletic Conference Championship for football, they beat Navy at Navy Stadium. How dangerous is Temple? And have they become, you know, from from when I was a kid, they were at the basement of college football. How, you know, are they, are they, is Temple one of those teams now that you circle on your schedule and say, this is a trip-up game, this is a bear trap game, because Temple has proven time and time again with multiple different head coaches that they are now the program over the last six seasons or so that's a pain in the neck to play that always is going to push you to play your best football. Well, SMU is going to get that this weekend. Uh, yeah. This is a huge, huge game for Temple. Uh, actually, this is one of my pick'em games. I got actually Temple winning this game against SMU, and who's undefeated. So we'll see. Uh, you know, it always goes back to recruiting. If if you got a, a, a good coach who is a gift of gab and who can recruit these kids from around the country, even in Florida and Texas, where there's a hotbed there, you know, you're going to have good teams, whether the coach is there or not. I'm not having been in favor of all this five-star, eight-star, 20-star kind of players, you know, but they do recruit well and they keep their players. So uh, Temple doesn't surprise me at all. SMU is going to be surprised this weekend, I can tell you that. Yeah, you know, and, and SMU right now, I mean, they got a tough schedule coming up, and these teams aren't ranked, but I know this conference extremely well, and I know that this is going to be a gamut. They have Temple at home, at Houston, at Memphis, East Carolina at home, Navy on the road, and then two lane. If SMU somehow gets gets through this thing undefeated, what do you do with SMU? I mean, they have their best start since 1982, 37 years ago. They're 6-0 for the first time in 37 years. It's only Sonny Dyke's second season there. Chad Morris had started to turn SMU around in his third season. Then he left for Arkansas, and I thought, are they going to dip? They finally got good. They finally got to a bowl game. Is all of this going to be for not? But it's not because Sonny Dykes comes in and Sonny Dykes is is six and zero and kicking some tail right now in in Dallas, Texas. So you know if, if SMU goes undefeated and keeps rolling, what do we do with SMU? Uh, they're in the same position that uh, UCF was in. Uh, they're not going to get the respect. Uh, although they'll probably play a real good team in a bowl, make a lot of money. They just they just don't fit in the equation that uh, the powers to be that are selecting these teams uh sure kudos to sunny dykes and everyone down there but it's just not going to happen i'd like to see him do something though i mean i'd like to see him play a tough team in a bowl and win uh but it's not just going to happen yeah you know we, we look at where things are at right now are really quick here uh inside the top 25 we have temple of the american cincinnati of the american smu of the american uh ucf dropped out of it. UCF had a week off. That didn't bode well for them after everything, but SMU, Cincinnati, Temple are in there. Just outside of it are Tulane and Memphis. What can you say about the American Athletic Conference? Arguably right now, they have three teams in the coaches, two in the AP, but they could end up with five teams ranked in the nation's top 25. Is it time to respect the American Athletic Conference? 
Well, I suppose so, but they're still not going to be in the same the same talking points as the conferences that we always talk about. They should be congratulated. And again, let them play a good team in a bowl. If they win, fine. If they don't, that's fine. They make a lot of money and they go forward. Uh, I don't I don't follow them that well because I know they can't they don't wind up anywhere. But they are they are good teams and they're very difficult to the schedule. So uh, I, I wouldn't mess with them. I want to go ahead. You know, I go back there. UCF is a strange animal. They, when Scott Frost was there, I, we thought he was a world beater. Brought in these kids, McKenzie, Milton, everyone, and he's he just beat the heck out of everyone. And then he goes to Nebraska, and he's was allegedly supposed to turn that program around in one year. Here it is two years later, and he can't buy a win. So, you know, it's, it's, diff, it's difficult to figure these things out. And it, 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 you, just, you just can't lump all the conferences together. There's only a few top light conferences which have the top light teams, and that's the way it's going to be. You know, and that's the thing with the SEC playing as well as they are right now. It, it, it overshadows everything. It overshadows the rest of the Autonomous Five. It overshadows the American, but, you know, that's why I'm here, to shed some light on this, including the American Conference and the other teams that are out there kicking some tail. Papa Joe is here with us this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. And every Thursday morning for hour number one, we've stretched into hour number two. And we're going to take a little stretch in a second before we make our picks. But, PJ, really quick here, there's, there's only one undefeated team in pro football. That's the New England Patriots. They're 6-0. and oh, There's nobody undefeated in the NFC. They got a big game with Philadelphia and Dallas going on this weekend the Packers shout out to Mary the Packers are five and one the Saints somehow with Teddy Bridgewater credit to them are five and one pardon me there is an undefeated team in the NFC the San Francisco 49ers are five and oh right now so how about this Jimmy Garoppolo the former backup to Tom Brady in New England is undefeated and the Patriots are undefeated so you got two quarterbacks that played for the Patriots that are undefeated. Nobody else is undefeated in the country. Let's go to that story. A former Patriot and a current Patriot quarterback are the only undefeated quarterbacks in the nation. Thoughts on that? Oh, very. That could come true. Now, uh, I watched uh, San Francisco just whoop up on uh, L.A. They, their defense is up unbelievable. Uh, and, and with Garofalo uh, learning what he did under the king, Mr. Brady, the possibility that these two teams could meet, it would be a great story. You know, the the, the teacher and the pupil, uh, there's a lot of football to be played yet, though. And uh, Garofalo, uh, he's he's the real deal. I mean, he's he's smart. He's handsome as could be. All the girls love him, right? <laughs> and uh, he's uh, he just knows how to play football. And he, he whatever he learned sitting behind Brady and listening to Belichick is, is coming true now uh, for San Francisco. And that's why John Lynch went and got him. Yeah, you know, so we're looking at two undefeated teams left in pro football. And, you know, outside of that, it looks like it's working with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, as I had spoken about. The Bills are 4-1 and one right now. But how about this, Papa Joe? The Dolphins down in the state of Florida, are they truly, in your opinion, tanking for Tua? They're 0-5. They're disgustingly no. awful. That, what do you... That's preposterous to even think that. You know, that... You know the guys. The guys in there for the this is his first year as Flores. This is his first year coach. There's no, there's no possible way that he could ever consider tanking. You know, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, he's fighting for his life. He's fighting for a job. And frankly, if they don't win but one or two games, he's gone after one year. So you know, what what difference does that make? So they bring another guy in now. The tanking, 
way overrated, maybe in basketball, but not in football. I, can, I don't see it at all. Well, we see, you know, where they're at right now. Miami has been trying to get back since Dan Marino, since Jason Taylor, since Zach Thomas. Do you think that Miami's ever going to find their way back to some type of a promised land where it's it's been it's been over a decade since we've really seen Miami do anything of merit? I mean, you're down in the state of Florida. What do you think about the state of the Miami Dolphins? Pretty sad. Uh, I think they should have kept Tannehill. I don't know what I don't know what possessed them to uh, to let the kid go or let him sign somewhere else. Uh, now Tannehill's going to be starting for Tennessee and. He's a good quarterback. I, I don't. I don't understand what the problem is down there, but uh, they they don't have their ducks in a row. And if they they can't, they're they're going to get buried by the likes of New England every every year. So they have a lot of work to do. And if they don't give this young man another couple more years to do it, uh, he's going to be out left out in the cold. So I, I Miami is. You're right. They they've been terrible to watch, and it's unfortunate. But you know, that's the way it goes. I mean, some some teams got to lose big in order for some teams to win big. Absolutely. Jacksonville, a really quick here to bring it full circle before we do our picks. Do the Jaguars have any hope this season? In the address that Tom Coughlin gave about the decision to move forward from Jalen Ramsey and trade him away, he made a statement that he believes that this team could still fight for a divisional title this year. I found it interesting that he did not say, we're going to fight for a Super Bowl, or that we're good enough to go to the playoffs. He just said, we're going to fight for a, divis- a divisional title because I don't think that Tom is going to lie. I don't think he's going to mince words. So he was pretty clear. I think we can win this much, but we're not going to be a great team this year. Can Jacksonville turn this thing around? They're on a two-game losing streak. They lost their first two, granted against really good offenses, but the Texans didn't play good offense at all in that game. They won their middle two games, the Titans and at the Broncos, and they've lost their last two. So now they have at the Bengals, who are atrociously awful and, and just a horrible team. They're, they got the Jets at home, and the Jets aren't that good, even though they beat the Cowboys. The Jets still struggle, but Sam Darnold's getting better. You know, I mean, what's your take on, on where this Jaguars team sits right now? Can they still be something this year? No, it, you know, it's the same old story that we've been discussing for years. Uh, they give a little taste of something and then they fall apart. And uh, they just can't seem to, to keep a consistent string going. I mean, a consistent string year after year, not, not week after week. Uh, th- this, is a, this is a pitiful situation again. They're two and four. They're not going to go anywhere. Uh, you you got you to go along with Minshew for as long as they can carry him. And if Foles is ready to come back and it, Minshew isn't playing well. He Foles is going to get his job back. Then all the receivers got to go get back to getting used to the mess. Yeah, uh, I, you know, and giving up getting the draft picks that they got. I think what Khan is saying is, says, look, you know, I like the direction what's happening. I like the way Coughlin does business. I don't, I don't much care for some of the things Marone does, but I believe in Coughlin. Coughlin's got four picks in the next two years, number one picks. So. Is Khan saying we want to give Tom Coughlin another two years and get four really good ball players and see where we stand, or are we going to be disappointed again? Yeah. If we're going to be if we're going to be disappointed again, then get rid of everyone and start all over again. You know, the same thing every year with us. Does Doug Marone survive this season? Um, not if not if he can't beat five hundred ball. If he can play five hundred ball, he probably stays. 
But if he doesn't, he's you know they have to make a change, and that may even yeah. include Coughlin. I don't know. Terrible. Yeah, no, I agree. I, with- I hate to pick up the newspaper and listen on Sports Center about something something else that's going on. You know, they got rid of Ramsey. Let's focus on football. They still have a, a class A defense. If Minshew can, you know, play a little bit better than a rookie quarterback, yeah. which he has shown, he can do that. Uh, then maybe they can get 500 football. But it, look, it looks doesn't look promising. They should be able to handle Cincinnati this week, though. Yeah, well, you'd like to hope so. If they can't beat Cincinnati, then maybe you make a move like the Redskins did and 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 say goodbye to Doug Marone right now. If they don't, if they don't beat the Bengals and the Jets in these next two games, I don't know how you even justify finishing the season with the current front office that you have. So that's true. You know, that's that's my opinion. So inside of what's popping, Papa Joe's picks. Hour number one has stretched into hour number two. We're about to make our college football selections for week eight. And then right after that, we'll stay with college football. And you'll hear from the American Athletic Conference. I have nine coaches on the docket for you today. You'll hear my Q&As with each of those coaches coming up in just a few seconds here. But before we go there, we must go here. There are games being played. Uh, There was a game played yesterday. Troy beat South Alabama 37-13. That's the first game of week eight. And then there's two games tonight, Louisiana at Arkansas State. UCLA at Stanford, which used to be a marquee game and isn't anymore, at least not not right now. And then Friday's games, we have Pittsburgh at Syracuse. PJ will start there. Pitt at Syracuse. I got my pregame show at the Wildcat and Camillus at 5. The game kicks off at 7 on ESPN. So I got my pregame show with Rob Drummond. I got the game itself. It's going to be an awesome Friday night. What are your thoughts on Pittsburgh at Syracuse? Syracuse can win this game. Uh, Babers has to uh, sharpen up his defense a little bit, but this to me, when I was doing my consolidations here, uh, this to me was a pick game. I don't think Pitt is that good, and Syracuse um, can play a little bit better. I like Syracuse in this game, not by very much, maybe a touchdown or less, but they should be able to pull it off at home. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go with Syracuse as well. I'm going to believe that Syracuse can get this one done. I, I, I'm concerned that if Syracuse does not win this game, they will lose a good seg, a good segment of the of the fan base. If they don't pull this off, they're going to be losing a, a lot here. The team is currently three and three. They won the games they were supposed to, as I brought up before against Liberty, Western Michigan, and Holy Cross. That's nothing to write home about. NC State gave them every opportunity to beat them in Raleigh, North Carolina, and Syracuse's offense couldn't get anything done. Clemson, they beat themselves in that game. Really, Maryland beat the hell out of Syracuse by 43. And outside of that, Syracuse beat themselves against Clemson, and they beat themselves against NC State. So now they have Pittsburgh and a chance to bounce back. They're going to run the gamut here because if they're a middle-of-the-road team, so is Pitt, so is FSU, which is right after that. BC is there. Duke is right now number one in the Coastal Division, and then they're at Louisville, who's a tremendous, who has gotten a, a lot better with Scott Satterfield in his first year at four and two. And then you got Wake Forest, that was just in the top twenty-five, that just fell out of the top twenty-five, but are five and one overall, and probably will squeak back into the top twenty-five potentially by the time of play. So Syracuse does not have an easy schedule by any stretch of the imagination. Fans started off the season saying that they were going to have ten wins, eleven wins, eight wins. Now fans are saying five or six. They already have three, so fans are only expecting them to win half of the games that they have coming up. So 
Syracuse got to get on the better side of things. They're at home. Pittsburgh plays them close when it's 70 to 60 something. They play them close when it's 16 to 15. So I believe that this will be a close game at some point. But Syracuse's offense could wake up here. I would like to hope and see that the chip on the shoulder that the offense has been telling me that they can play with and that they have played with, that this is going to come out in this game. They're going to show something in this game and find some success here because I am very concerned that if Syracuse does not find success in this matchup and if they do not ultimately get the win over Pittsburgh, that their season is really going to take a hit. Uh, the fan base is is not going to react the way that that you know Syracuse is going to like. They have no choice but to win this game. This is a rival, and this is the the start of the second half of your season. Syracuse is fighting for life. They could still be a bowl team, but they have to show that this offense can be consistently good and not occasionally great, which is what Dino Baber says. So we're both going to pick Syracuse. Clemson at Louisville, PJ. Any chance that Louisville shocks the world on ABC? No. Um, I think Clemson will continue riding forward. They they looked just awesome against Florida State. And Florida State has some really great athletes over there. Um, and I, I don't know what's the matter with Willie over there, but he's not putting it together. But uh, you you can see the talent on the field. Uh, and they Florida State is not as bad as people think they are, but – Clemson handled handled them easily. Uh, this this is a potential triple M game, but I don't think so. I think that uh, Debo he knows how to rise this team up, and he's not going to let them. He's not going to let them slack off. They they should be able to defensive wise they they're going to control the game, and offensive wise they're just going to take off. I look for actually just to be a, a plus plus two touchdown game. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Clemson in this matchup. I think the game can be close at a certain point in this game, but ultimately I think Clemson gets the separation they need. Like I said, two to three touchdown victory. Now all of a sudden I'm thinking college football playoff. I'm feeling more comfortable with it. I think that the pundits are going to start talking about it in that respect a little bit more too, but they have to get there. So Clemson is in a place like Syracuse where they have to prove something. So there's a parallel. The difference is Syracuse has to prove they could save their season. Clemson has to prove they deserve to be a top four team. Drastic drastic difference but two teams needing to prove something this week west virginia is facing off against oklahoma west virginia had had a nice little shootout with texas that they ultimately didn't come out on the winning side for any chance that we could see west virginia do something to oklahoma in this in this game this week or not no not they're playing at oklahoma and west virginia being three and three yeah sure they had a a couple of good games uh the, the thing that bothers me with Oklahoma all the time, every year, is their defense. I mean, sure, West Virginia may be able to score 28 points, but Jalen Hurst is going to go bananas and score about a million points, and they'll win 150 to 12 or something like that, you know. Uh, Oklahoma's just powerful, but the, if, they can't, if they can't shore up their defense and play a lot better than what they've shown, they're not going to be in any conversation for the Final Four unless they do that. They have to dominate another side of the ball besides offense. Yeah, you know, Oklahoma, I'm always uh, anti them in the college football playoff. I shouldn't say I'm always anti them. I just, I I think that they deserve to get in, and I almost put them in today if it happened today because, you know, they're a good team and, and they really are, you know, up there in the top five. But at the same time, they play no defense. And if it's between them and Ohio State, them and Wisconsin, Wisconsin, the Big Ten plays defense. 
and I want an offensive and defensive team in the college football playoff, and Oklahoma's only going to give me a team that can score 70 but are going to allow 63. So, I mean, that that's my issue with the Big 12. There is no defense. Another game that I want to uh, circle here and you have a little conversation on, PJ, Temple at SMU. You, we talked about it a little bit. Temple's played spoiler. They're not at home for this one. They played spoiler. They could be on the road. They could be at home. They're more dangerous at home. But right now they're dangerous in general with Rod Carey at the, as the head coach. What are your thoughts on Temple at SMU? This uh, this I consider a pick'em game. It, it shouldn't be because SMU is undefeated and it's supposed to be much better. But to me, it's a pick'em game, and I like Temple in this game. I really like Temple in this game. I like Temple's the way they play offense and defense. I think that they have a chance to win this game, and I, I'm, I like to pick them. You know, this one is really difficult for me because if it was up to me, I, I'd pick them both because they're 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 both dangerous teams right now. They both pose threats. I think that if they both can get into a really good bowl game, I I would love to see what they how they could stack up against somebody else. I'd love to see them both, you know, obviously have have a, I mean, these are two teams that could be playing themselves. SMU can play themselves into a New Year Six. Temple's close to getting into one of these things, getting a good bowl game a late December one. So I'm excited for that. This is kind of like a little mini American Athletic Super Bowl going on right now. So I'm excited and I'm going to pick Temple. I'm going to lean on Temple's side. I'm going to agree with you, PJ. But, you know, I'm hoping SMU stays undefeated. At the same time, Temple only has one loss. Either whoever wins this game, you know, the American Athletic Conference is going to win. It's on ESPN2. It's at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. It's another game to showcase and circle. Memphis played Temple last week. It was a tremendous game. If anybody missed it, go back and watch it. I think this is going to be some fun. Tulsa and Philip Montgomery, they won a couple games. They won three games, and they won two games. This season, they already have two games. They've already won the two, so they've already you know equaled out pretty much what they've done. Won five games in the last two years. Now they got two. I think that they could be a bowl game, a bowl team this season. They lost to Navy in a big way, but they pushed SMU to triple overtime. You know, they, they've hung in these games, and the score doesn't adequately show it. They have Memphis this week. What are your thoughts on this game, Tulsa facing off against Memphis, or pardon me, Tulsa facing off at, at Cincinnati, and they have Cincinnati on the road in Ohio. That game will be this Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, Cincinnati is a top 25 team. They've been playing tremendously well. Tulsa's one of those teams, though, that their record doesn't show how good they are and the talent they have. Any chance Tulsa gets a victory finally in one of these games? No. No, I like Cincinnati. Ever since they beat, uh, what they beat? Who who they beat a little while ago? That was you, they, Temple. Beat, they beat Temple, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, they beat Temple. So if you can beat Temple, you can beat Tulsa. So they're playing at home. I like Cincinnati. Much the best here. Yeah, Cincinnati, uh, they, they've gone through this season so far. They defeated UCLA, and they defeated UCF. That's the one you're thinking of. They defeated UCF this season. So they, they gave UCF one of their losses right. in, in this season and, and took it to them. So I'm going to pick Cincinnati in this game as well, but I really hope that Philip Montgomery, that they'll keep him there and that he can help to turn things around. He's done so much that hasn't translated into wins, and unfortunately I know that that's, a, that's you know how coaches are judged, but – he really is a tremendous coach, and I think that he can obviously do some good things. Hopefully he will. Kentucky at Georgia. Any chance that Georgia has a hangover and loses this one? Well, Kentucky's got a very good ground attack. Um, we saw that against Florida. Uh, they, Florida barely squeaked that one out. So, you know, Kentucky, 
yes, this is this game could be a trip up, uh, but it's not a pick 'em game. It's a Georgia should dominate because they're at home and between the hedges. So uh, Kentucky coming in there maybe looked good for a while, but Georgia should uh, should bounce back in a, in a big way. What happens to Georgia if they lose to Kentucky and they have back to back losses in this season? Oh my goodness, that's. Well, we'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> the, the the Georgia people will come to the world's largest cocktail party in Jacksonville, looking for revenge against Florida and anyone else. So, uh, oh boy, that would be that would be catastrophic. But I don't see that happening. Uh, Trump is too good of a quarterback, and Georgia's a good team. Let's face it; they are one of the elite teams in the country, and they shouldn't trip up here. Well, guess what, PJ? I think we're going to have to have that conversation because I'm picking right. Kentucky to win the game. <laughs> I am picking Kentucky. We've been snake eyes on everything. We both picked Syracuse over Pitt, both picked Clemson over Louisville, both Oklahoma over West Virginia. Oh, I'm saying, and then uh, both picked Temple over SMU. We chose Cincinnati over Tulsa, but I'm going with Kentucky. PJ's going Georgia. The first one we differed on this week. Baylor is undefeated. They're at Oklahoma State. Any chance Oklahoma State plays spoiler to Baylor's undefeated season under Matt Rule? Absolutely, yes. I like Oklahoma State in this game. I got I to gotta pick them in this game. Uh, I think Baylor's a little bit overrated, but uh, Oklahoma State's only 4-2. and two. They play good against everyone they, they play. Uh, this is another team uh, or another game that could be a 49-42 to 42 kind of game because uh, Oklahoma State's going to score. You know that. Uh, I like Oklahoma State. They're playing at home against a, a Baylor team that's just undefeated but not quite not quite as as high as he should, as they they think too much of themselves. Let me put it that way. Well, PJ's going with Oklahoma State. I'm going with Baylor in this game. Right. Going with Baylor to stay undefeated. Matt Rule, who I spent some time with, gonna gonna pick him in this one. So we got two that we've gone against here in Papa Joe, Michigan at Penn State. And I'm and I'm and I'm. This is not me wishing bad on anybody by any stretch of the imagination. I never would by in any way, shape, or form ever. I just want to make this statement. I am surprised that Jim Harbaugh is still the head coach of Michigan. So, with that being said, Michigan is at Penn State. What do you think about this one? Boy, this is this is one of my pick'em games here. Uh, I've been been going back and forth with this game for several days. Um, you know, you're right. Harbaugh has to start playing for his job sooner or later. They're not going to dump him in the middle of the, of the season, but they can beat Penn State. Penn State. Again, it's sort of like a Baylor. They're not really they're undefeated, but they're not really in the the higher echelon of the of the Big Ten, especially when you got Wisconsin and Ohio State in there. I like Michigan in this game. I just finally have to say it. I I think that Harbaugh is going to rally here, and I I think his it, I think his team is going to win. But if he doesn't, certainly the end is coming near for Jumping Jimmy up there. Well, they talk about it all the time. He can't defeat those rival games, and he struggles with those. I'm picking Penn State in this one. Penn State is going to make it tough on the committee. Penn State and Wisconsin a couple years ago both made it tough on the college football playoff committee. I think they're going to continue to do it. I don't think Penn State gets in, but they're going to stay in the conversation and stay undefeated, in my opinion, as Michigan will fall probably to the bottom of the top 20, if not the bottom of the top 25. I could see them falling from 16 to 20 after this loss. And the last one I want to ask you about, Florida State's trying to have some life. Wake Forest is trying to bounce back from their first loss of the season against Louisville. Papa Joe, 62-59 to they lose that game. They play a basketball game against Louisville at home, and they lose the game 62-59. to 
and there it was insane. In the fourth quarter, Louisville scored two touchdowns and a field goal. Wake Forest scored four touchdowns in the fourth quarter and still lost the game by three. So they had the better quarter, but they lost the game by three. Thoughts on on Wake Forest facing off against Florida State at home in Winston Salem. This is uh, this could be a Willie Taggart swan song too. Uh, Florida State has got to, they have to at least reach six and six to get a bowl game. If they don't, if they're five and seven, will five and seven Willie's gone. Even six and six, he may be gone. But they're not going to win this week. Wake Forest is too strong. Wake Forest is really the only team that it's a new way of Clemson right now, and they're going to show how tough they are. I like Wake Forest in this game. PJ, you and I are going Wake on this one. Dave Clawson, oh. shout out to you. So there's only three games we've disagreed on. You picked Georgia, I picked Kentucky. You picked Oklahoma State, I picked Baylor. You picked Michigan, I picked Penn State. So you can be sure that Papa Joe and I will have some texting back and forth coming up this weekend. As always, PJ, I appreciate you spending the first hour of every Thursday with us. And today, some bonus time. So we went into overtime in our game. We'll see if anybody else does this weekend. And I thank you as always. Okay, thank you, Dan, and have fun. All right, take care. That coming from Papa Joe one more time on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora here on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate you hanging out with us this morning and having some fun every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time. With that being said, we're going to take a quick step aside for a fast break. But before we do that, want to make sure that we get this all set up and ready to go for you. So the the schools that we had an opportunity to speak with this week. So I, I uh, we didn't have an opportunity to speak with Cincinnati, Houston, and South Florida <clears throat> this week. But we will talk about their games that they had going on. Had an opportunity to speak with nine head coaches inside of the American Athletic Conference, and truly appreciate all the time that they gave to speak with us this week. So that is, once again, UCF, SMU, UConn, Memphis, Temple, as well as Navy, East Carolina, Tulsa, and Tulane have all spoken with me. Uh, all their head coaches this week on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora are going to be joining us right after this fast break. So once again, you will hear my Q&As with the football coaches of the American for week eight UCF's Josh Heupel, SMU's Sonny Dykes, UConn's Randy Etzel, Memphis's Mike Norvell, Temple's Rod Carey, East Carolina's Mike Houston, Navy's Ken Niamatololo, Tulsa's Philip Montgomery, and Tulane's Willie Fritz will all be coming up after this fast break on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora here on Thursday, October 17th. We appreciate you, as always, tuning in to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. <laughs> 